and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David concludes our series on purpose with a look at the purpose of passion. Let's listen. Well, today we are concluding our purpose series because next week is Lent and we'll begin a new Lenten series based on discipleship and on following Jesus. But today we we conclude our study of of the types of purposes that we have in this life that God has given us. And as you've heard, we are ending today with the purpose of passion. Yeah, what is the purpose of the passion that you have and that you feel? Well, passion is described as a strong and barely controllable emotion. And I bet you've felt it before, haven't you? It's, It's intense sometimes even a little bit overwhelming. I mean, when's the last time that you were really passionate about something? You know, you were so fired up, you just couldn't think about anything else. Well, maybe you've been really passionate about your work before and and passionate about what your company stood for or or what they were doing out in the world. Uh, Maybe you've been passionately in love. Or perhaps you're passionate about a certain cause, whether that's equal rights or animal rights, as we heard. Well, maybe you're a passionate sports fan, or you would consider yourself passionate about music. Yes, we all have passions that are probably different from one another. They're unique to who you are. I'll share with you one example I had recently about passion. So the Gafuris are the refugees uh, who are living in the church manse next door. And uh, they invited my family over about a week or two ago for dinner. Uh, We happily said yes, and we learned very quickly that they were passionate about hospitality. We walked in. They had us sit on the couch, and they set up individual tables in front of us where they brought out a variety of, of appetizers on those tables. And the appetizers included foods and delicacies that I'd never had before. Uh, such as green raisins. Have you ever had green raisins? I had not. But they said it was a local favorite to them in Afghanistan, and they couldn't find them anywhere in the Charlotte area until they went to the Hala market the week before we came over, and they found them and then bought, they said, pounds and pounds of green raisins. They were so excited. And so we got to, to talk and, and have a conversation over appetizers um, while our kids went and played in the backyard. And then they asked us to come into the dining room for dinner. And I asked if I could take a picture of the spread of food that they had provided because I was so blown away. And so here's the picture of what they cooked us for dinner that night. They were passionate about hospitality. I mean, we sat around that table and just felt so loved and so cared for by all these unique and different foods that they were sharing with us from their culture. It was a really incredible experience. I wonder, what are you passionate about? When have you experienced recently passion? And is there a purpose to that? That's what we're studying today. What is the purpose? Is there a reason God's given us the ability to feel passionate about things in our lives? And can we become passionate about the wrong things? These are some of the questions that we're going to study today. 
We're going to begin by looking at an example in Scripture. It's a moment when Jesus shows extreme passion, but in a surprising way. So let's study Jesus' story of passion to see what it teaches us about when we experience passion. We begin in John chapter 2, verse 13. We're told by John, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. Okay, I just want to pause there for a second. How many times have you read that story and maybe not realized that Jesus made a whip? I I certainly missed that fact a couple times through my reading. I want you to picture the scene for a second. I mean, here's Jesus, and he walks into the temple, and he's expecting to find a place of worship, and instead he finds a marketplace, right? You've got people selling animals uh, to make sacrifices and make a good profit on the side, Uh, You've got all these uh, money changers set up so that they can exchange currency if you came in from another country and and needed to do that. And and none of these things are, in essence, wrong. They just don't belong in the temple. And so I picture Jesus seeing all of this and then maybe taking a seat by the back of the room and finding some cords of, of rope and stranding them together, making a whip, maybe just muttering the whole time. Yes, Jesus makes a whip. And then what does he do with that whip? Well, the next verse says, He drove all all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who stole doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Yes, Jesus uses his newly fashioned whip and drives out all the people and all the animals from the temple. And then he flips over tables. This is Jesus flipping over tables, scattering coins and money all across the temple floor. Why? Why is Jesus so upset? Well, in his own words, he told them, stop turning my father's house, the the temple, the place of worship, into a market. Yes, I think what Jesus is implying here is that uh, the place of worship became a place of greed. The place where you're supposed to come and focus on God became a place instead to come and focus on money. And Jesus was fired up about this. Jesus wanted to change this. Would you even call him passionate? His disciples sure did, because in the next verse, his disciples describe what they just witnessed. It says, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Okay, so what the disciples are doing is they see Jesus so consumed with passion, and then they remember a verse from the Old Testament. That verse was Psalm 69, verse 9, and they remember, oh, God said the Messiah would act this way, that the Messiah would be so consumed with zeal and passion for God's purposes in the world, so consumed with doing things that God wants done in the world. And so they saw Jesus acting like that, and it reminded them of the Old Testament. But let's put up that verse one more time, because I want to focus on the first word there, 
zeal, okay? Zeal for your house will consume me. The word in Greek is zealous, and zealous is actually an onomatopoeia. Now, if you're like me, and you've not taken English in quite a while, I need a, re a refresher of what an onomatopoeia is. It's a word that makes the sound of the word itself. So, an example, buzz. Buzz is an onomatopoeia, the buzzing of a bee, because you say the word and it makes the sound of what it is. Hiss. Hiss would be another example of this. So, in Greek, zelos, or zeal, makes a sound. Okay, it's an onomatopoeia. What sound does it make? It makes the sound of boiling water. Yeah, when, you're supposed to, when you see that word in Greek, it's supposed to remind you of water that's bubbling and boiling, even boiling up out of the pot from which it is in. What does that teach you about emotion? Well, so zeal or passion is the bubbling up of emotion. It is the overflowing of emotion that even fills up in you and then sp spreads out, overflows from you, okay? That's what that word is trying to capture. That's what passion is. Passion is this feeling in you that's barely contained in your body. You need to do something with that energy. You need to focus it in some direction because it's bubbling up out of you. The point that Jesus is making is that he wants us to focus our passions towards the things that God really cares about in this world. And that's what Jesus was doing here, where he saw the place of worship no longer leading people into worship, and the passion just overflowed from him. And he wanted to go change that and make a difference in that. Yes, his passions were directed towards God's purposes in the world, and ours should be too. I mean, from this scripture today, our prayer really should be for God to make us passionate Christians. Because when you're passionate about something, when it's just flowing out of you, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like, oh, I have to do this because this is why, you know, this is part of what it means to be a Christian. No, it just flows from you. And so our prayer is, God, make us passionate about the things that you care about, the things that you want done in this world, the things that you want changed in this world. God, make us passionate Christians. So this describes the good side of passion. But can passion, if it's a bubbling up of emotion, can that emotion be channeled in the wrong direction? Well, that's what I want to study next, because here's how one of the Old Testament Proverbs puts it. It says, passion without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Have you ever seen someone who was really passionate about something that they weren't actually very knowledgeable about. That's a dangerous combination, isn't it? That can get messy really quick. And that's what the proverb is kind of warning us about, saying, okay, passion can be good if it's directed towards what is good in the world, towards what is godly in the world, towards what is beautiful. That's where our passions should be focused, because otherwise— Passion can actually lead us away 
from God's purposes in the world. I I think Paul describes it really well. Uh, He writes a letter to the Galatians, and he, he talks about the passions that lead us away from God. He calls them the passions of the flesh, but what he means by that term is all of the worldly passions that aren't helping us become more spiritual people. But here's what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yes, so he's recognizing there the passions that lead us away from the purposes of God, and he he uses a pretty strong term to describe what needs to be done with those type of passions. He says we need to crucify them, crucify those passions that lead us away from God. Uh, In essence, we need to get rid of the passions that take you away from God's purposes so that you can better channel your passions to the things that God is passionate about in the world. So this is a good time for us in our study to ask, are we passionate about the right things? Or are there passions in our lives that are actually leading us away from the people that God wants us to be? So let's now consider a couple of examples of maybe passion that's wrongly directed, okay? So first one, are we too passionate about our sports team or our political party? Okay, no, 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 I know, I know. Just hear me out here. Now, I would call myself a passionate sports fan, right? Go Panthers. But I've also seen how passion can become disruptful or even harmful. Think about when you see a a fight in the stands or even when you're watching a, a game and it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to and you just can't sleep that night because you're so mad at how that game turned out. Well, maybe your passion's not really helping you there. Or think about politics. I think Christians should be politically active. That's a good thing. But have you ever become so passionate about your politics that you've come to believe that those who see things differently than you are maybe not as smart as you or maybe even less Christian than you? Yes, there are times we simply need to be honest with ourselves and reassess where it is that we are directing our passions. Let's look at another example. What if we were to say, and this is a wrongly directed passion, what if we were to say, I am passionate about being liked by others? Now, let's be honest. We all want to be liked and accepted by other people. That's a part of human nature, and there's nothing wrong with that. But surely you can think of times in your life where that became an unhealthy passion. I mean, perhaps there's been times in your life where you changed how you acted simply to to fit in. Uh, You were no longer living as your authentic self and instead living simply how you thought others wanted you to live. I mean, perhaps you began to view other people's approval of you as the indicator of whether you were loved or worthy or good. I mean, that's when you are beginning to understand that that passion to be liked and to be accepted is maybe not where we should be directing our energy. So let's flip that, okay? Let's flip that. If that's the wrongly directed passion, what's the right directed passion? Well, what if we said, I am passionate about serving God? Now, 
Notice I didn't say I'm passionate about being liked by God like we said I'm passionate about being liked by others because you don't have to be worried about that. God likes you. You're created by God. That's not something that you have to go, ooh, am I, am I doing the right things to earn God's approval? And so once you take that kind of out of the equation, and once you simply just accept the fact that God loves you because God made you, well, then you can start directing those worries or those energies into simply serving the God who loves you. That becomes our passion to say, I want to serve the God who made me, who accepts me, and who loves me. That is my passion. Or let's look at a third option. What if you were to say, I am passionate about succeeding? Again, who doesn't want to succeed, right? We all want to succeed, and success isn't bad unless it becomes the type of success where you succeed at any and all costs. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, that's when a person maybe really wants to publish a book or really wants to do well on a paper in school so much that they end up plagiarizing. That's, that's success at any cost. Or that's when a boss in his company wants the company to succeed so badly, even at the expense of their employees. This mentality of success at any cost, it can even affect our families and our family systems. I mean, what does success look like for your family? If, if you were to come up with a definition of like, here's when I know that my family is being successful, what would that look like? I mean, is it a certain number of sports to be involved in, or is it a certain uh, level of grades to reach, all while balancing enough family dinners and enough time together? You see, I think it becomes a mirage of what a successful life looks like, and the passion can become an unhealthy passion when you're trying to reach something that can never truly be attained. So let's flip this one, too. Instead of just saying, you know, I'm passionate about being successful. What if we said instead that I am passionate about redefining success in a faith-filled way? I mean, what would it look like for you to redefine success for your family system, even? Well, perhaps it's not going to a certain amount of activities or, or being seen a certain way by other families in the community, but, but maybe success simply looks like helping your family understand the depth of God's love for them. And if they start to actually get it, and if you can see that they start to get that, you say, my family's a success right now. Or, or, or what about work? You know, if you look at your work and you go, yeah, you know, we want to do extremely well at our jobs. We, we, we want to be competent. And what if you work towards that? while also understanding deep inside you that you are being a success if you are embodying the love of God through your work, no matter what that is. Through your words and your actions, if you're embodying God's love, you can say inside yourself, I am being a success. I wonder if that redefines it in a faith-filled way. Our passions, our energies that bubble up out of us, God says we need to Focus those in the right areas, because if we do, we can accomplish a tremendous amount. I think that's why God gave us passions. 
Because when you're really passionate about something, you can do more in that area than you ever could if you were just putting in the time. And so it's learning how to be passionate about the right things in life. So Paul says, crucify those unhealthy passions. And in the next verse, he says this. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I really love that. He's saying that's what good passion looks like. It's when you're keeping in step with the Spirit. It is the Spirit-led things in your life where you can tell God is a part of this, that God is leading me right now, and I'm going to passionately follow. That's the type of passion that's encouraged right here in the Scriptures. Well, I want to leave you with this, this delightful quote from Nelson Mandela, a very passionate individual, uh, who said this about passion. He said, There is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. I like that because it reminds me that God has big plans for you, and you can work passionately towards those plans that God has created. So, capture that intensity, channel your energies, and become the passionate Christian that God has made you to be. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.